Welcome to Mayflower Church on this fourth Sunday of Advent. Whether you're here in the sanctuary or joining us live stream, we know that you are going to enjoy this very special Advent service. We would love for you to find the friendship register in the pew aisle and pass it along for the valuable information in your bulletin. And remember, there's an e-register tab for you online to fill out. We have all sorts of things happening at Mayflower this week as it is Christmas. You will find an invitation in your bulletin that looks like this. It is an invitation for you to give to a neighbor or a friend to invite them to come to our live nativity on Christmas Eve. It's from 5 to 6. Last year was the first year we've done the live nativity, and we have had over 400 people join us. So we hope that um, you will be able to bring your friends and neighbors. And again, there will be live animals. I don't know if the baby yak is coming back, but he might be a little bigger this year. Along with the Christmas Eve invitation, you will find a flyer for AYA As You Are Youth Collective. They are our Christmas Eve offering this year. A representative from AYA will be in the narthex after the service. They are asking for donations of sweatshirts, sweatpants, um, shampoo and conditioner, and any um, monetary gifts. They are an organization that helps the homeless youth and teenagers of Grand Rapids. They serve over 400 teenagers a year. And so they are amazing. The outreach team went a couple weeks ago to visit their facility, and we're very honored to be able to support them. If you have a prayer need this morning, please feel free to fill out the prayer card in the PO rack. We are happy to add your praise or petition to this morning's congregational prayer or to our weekly prayer list. The ushers will be collecting these cards during the opening hymn. And now we have Ruth to come and bring a special invitation. Good morning. So today we have a very, very special opportunity in the life of this church. You are all invited to celebrate the ordination of Steve Armfield, my interim co-pastor. Steve served a denomination for several decades as a pastor and denominational leader. Two years ago, due to some theological differences, this denomination decided to rescind Steve's ordination. Clearly, we have benefited from his ministry gifts, and we recognize him as a minister of the gospel. So after this morning's worship service, we are going to officially reordain Steve here at Mayflower. So you are welcome. All of you are welcome for that uh, additional service today. After our morning worship, you're welcome. If you like your seat you're in, you can stay. Or if you want to go grab a cup of coffee, you want to go change your brunch reservations, push them back a little bit, whatever you need to do, then come back into the sanctuary and we will have a brief but beautiful service for Steve. Thank you. What can I say about today's music? Wonderful, wonderful traditions here at Mayflower. Every uh, fourth Sunday in Advent, uh, for decades, I think, uh, we have sung 
this Christmas tide with all combined choirs and all children's choirs singing Night of Silence. And today is that day. We missed it last year, and I was looking back at the videos uh, because we were able to create virtual uh, versions of these beloved anthems. And they're available on our website, and they were, I think, links to those uh, were sent out in the e news on uh, a couple days ago. But it just reminded me of how grateful I am that we can all be in this space together, how grateful I am for all the participants in our music program this fall and the grace and commitment and beauty that they have brought to this space week after week.
Today, we light the fourth candle of Advent, the candle of love. The prophet Isaiah declares, A young woman is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The risen Christ declares, I am with you always to the end of the age. We light this candle as a sign of God's presence in Christ, now and always, that we may trust that God is with us and live in the light of Christ's coming. Risen Christ, light of the world, shine in our lives and shine among us now.
Creator God, we enter this place to worship you. May our care and delight be to hear again the message of the Virgin Mother as she pours out praise to the Mighty One who has done great things. May our hearts be open and our spirits humbled before the story of your loving purposes for us. In Christ's name, amen.
We are pleased and excited this morning to have a baptism. So if you guys would like to come forward. We are going to celebrate the baptism of Reed Thomas Moxley, the son of Melissa and Justin, and the grandson of Karen and Tom Ross. The sacrament of baptism is an outward and visible sign of the grace of God. Inasmuch as the promise of the gospel is not only to us, but also our children, baptism with water and the Holy Spirit is a mark of their acceptance into the care of Christ's church, the sign and seal of their participation in God's forgiveness and the beginning of their growth into full Christian faith and discipleship. This is the water of baptism. Out of this water we rise with new life, forgiven of sin and one in Christ, members of Christ's body. So Melissa and Justin, I have a few que- we have a few questions for you. Do you desire to have Reed baptized into the faith and family of Jesus Christ? Will you encourage Reed to renounce the powers of evil and to re- receive freedom of new life in Christ? Will you teach him in such a way that he may be led to profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Do you promise, by the grace of God, to be Christ's disciples, to follow in the way of our Savior, to show love and justice, and to witness to the work and word of Jesus Christ as best you are able? Do you promise, according to the grace given you, to grow with Reed in the Christian faith, to help him to be a faithful member of the Church of Jesus Christ by celebrating Christ's presence, by furthering Christ's mission in all the world, and by offering to the nurture of the Christian Church so he may affirm his baptism. That was a long question. Yes. <laughs> Tom and Karen, would you please stand? Jesus Christ calls us to make disciples of all nations and to offer them the gifts of grace and baptism. Do you, who witness and celebrate the sacrament, promise your love, support, and care to read as he lives and grows in Christ? Thank you. You may be seated. Let us pray. Oh, blessed by your Holy Spirit, gracious God, this water, by your Holy Spirit, save those who confess the name of Jesus Christ, that it may have no power, that he may have power over them, create new life in the one baptized this day, that he may rise in Christ. Glory to you, eternal God, the one who was and is and shall always be, world without end. Amen. Oh, precious read, Thomas. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. May the Spirit guide you in your life as you are welcomed into the Church of Jesus. There is a congregational response you will find in your bulletin. If we could all say that together now, please. May. Now you're welcome if you want to extend your hand in greeting and support 
of your newest little brother in Christ, Reed Thomas. And we'd like to invite all the children worshiping with us this morning to come forward for the children's message. Good morning, friends. All right, everyone gather around. I do not have a puppy in here today, (laughs) but I do have a surprise, and I'm going to see if you guys can guess who is in this box. Miss Malia is going to play a song that might help your guess. Who is it? It's Olaf. It is Olaf. Oh, don't we love Olaf? And no. (laughs) So that song that Miss Malia played, do you remember what Olaf said? He was on the edge of the woods and it was dark and scary. And he said, maybe this will all make sense when I am older. Remember that song? And so it made him brave in order to go through that dark, deep woods. And today, Pastor Ruth is going to talk about Mary, Jesus' mom. And when I think of Mary, I think of Olaf. Because think of being little and young and having an angel come and tell you that you are going to have God's child. She had to be brave. And she had to think, maybe someday when I'm older, it will all make sense. 
And then she had baby Jesus. And shepherds came and wise men came and this bright star happened. And she had to say again, maybe when I'm older, it'll all make sense. And then she grew up baby Jesus and then went through all of his life with him. And she had that faith knowing that maybe when I'm older, it'll all make sense. And so I know that there's sometimes when we're all scared and we don't know quite what's ahead. And so we can think of Mary and Olaf and know that God is with us every step of the way to help it all make sense. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, we are so thankful that you are with us to help it all make sense as we live and grow in you each day. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, friends, if you are in choir, you in third grade, fourth grade, or fifth grade, you can go back to the pews to have a seat for the service. If you are in choir and not in third, fourth, or fifth grade, you can stand up, and we are going to go downstairs and take off our robes. Perfect. Then you can go with these guys. And everyone else, let's stand up, and we will go to Sunday school. Come on. This morning's uh, scripture is from Luke 1, verses 46 through 56, on page 724 in your pew Bible. It's page 724. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations shall call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arms. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and returned home. Please pray with me. Holy Lord, may our souls magnify you. May we rejoice in our Savior, for this Savior has looked with favor on us. This is astonishing. 
Open us this day to receive what you have to give us. Amen. The passage that was just read is called Mary's Magnificat. The Magnificat, or Mary's Song, is incredibly popular. Some traditions sing or say these verses as part of their daily or weekly liturgy. Here at Mayflower, we have a tendency to read that passage once during Advent. The name Magnificat comes from the Latin translation of the first line of this song, Magnificat anima mea dominium, most commonly translated, my soul magnifies the Lord. Some translations use the word glorifies in place of magnifies. So my soul glorifies, praises, extols, gives honor, enlarges, intensifies the Lord. Mary goes on in her song to list the attributes and the ways of this Savior that she will bear and bring into the world. This is not a meek and mild list. Mary is not meek and mild. If you are disturbed by the cover of your bulletin, hang on, everybody. (laughs) Mary is a woman on a mission. Mary practically roars her Magnificat. Let's explore this morning why. Most scholars believe that Mary was between the ages of 12 and 15. She was a young teenager. How many of you here in the first rows are between 12 and 15? Would you stand up, please, if you are 12, 13, 14, or 15, and look at everybody behind you? Okay, so you may be seated. Thank you. Here's your visual. Mary was between 12 and 15 years old. When the angel Gabriel comes to announce her special role in the kingdom of God, he says, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. Of his kingdom there will be no end. She gets this most astonishing news, and her response is, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be. So Mary accepts her mission. The content of Gabriel's initial message includes words like throne, ancestor of David, reign over the house of Jacob, kingdom without end. So clearly this would have had meaning to a Jewish girl who knew the teachings of the Torah, the prophets, the story of King David. She has some kind of understanding of what the arrival of the Messiah entails. Yet Mary lived in a specific time and place like we do. Her Magnificat is not her reflections on scripture of old, as much as a statement reflecting her current situation. You see, Mary faced a bleak future. One writer asserts that back then, when an unwed teenage peasant girl was found pregnant, it usually resulted in devastating retribution from the community. Matthew's Gospel account informs us that Joseph, the man Mary was betrothed to Mary, was planning to quietly call off the wedding. His discreetness was his attempt to protect Mary from public humiliation and social ostracism. According to Jewish law, Mary faced the very real threat of being stoned 
as an adulteress. We know in our culture, the stigma often transferred to young girls pregnant out of wedlock. But Mary's stigma was potentially life-threatening. Her acceptance of her mission, her acquiescence to Gabriel, is not a shrug of the shoulders or a helplessness. No. Reverend Carolyn Sharp puts it this way. Don't envision Mary as the radiant woman peacefully composing her Magnificat. Instead, see her as a girl who sings defiantly to her God through her tears, fist clenched against an unknown future. When we picture her this way, Mary's courageous song of praise becomes a radical resource for those seeking to honor the holy amid the suffering and conflicts of real life. Well, this begs the question, what were Mary's conflicts and sufferings? Why is her Magnificat so defiant? Well, obviously, there's this very real threat of stoning. That's awkward. But her song is not necessarily about personal liberation. She's getting political. And we know the Jews at this time are living under Roman occupation. They're held under the military thumb of a dominant regime. So she certainly could have been reflecting on this reality. However, she mentions bringing down the powerful from their thrones, sending the rich away empty, and promises to the ancestors of Abraham So this seems a bit more specific than deriding a foreign military occupation, doesn't it? At this time in Mary's life, the official king of Judea, the king of the Jews, was Herod. Now we know Herod was a very bad character. He made a deal with the evil Roman Empire and was granted authority over the Jews of the region. But he was the worst kind of Jew, the wrong kind of king, the wrong kind of king of the Jews. His greed and ambition were notorious, as were his murderous ways. He had no fewer than ten wives, one of which he executed along with their children. He taxed the Jews exorbitantly so that he could build palaces and resorts and all kinds of infrastructure for his own personal use. From Bethlehem, Mary would have had views of Herod the Great's majestic palatial resort known as Herodium. To this day, it's an impossible sight to miss from any part of Bethlehem. This Herodium sits atop a man-made mountain nearly 2,500 feet high. In Mary's day, it was the largest palatial complex in the entire Roman world. As you looked up from Bethlehem, The lights shining down from Herod's resort dominated the night sky. The building of this monstrosity required reshaping the natural topography with the labor of hundreds and hundreds of slaves and artisans. It was both a pleasure palace and a fortress for King Herod. He even routed the water supplies through the desert landscape so that he had abundant water for his garden and his pools. The palace itself contained courtyards, palatial halls, chambers, meeting rooms, 38 acres 
of pools and gardens and bathhouses. So Herod took the highest peak in the Judean desert in the midst of a Jewish community that was suffering under Roman rule, and he built a personal Las Vegas. Is this the intended king of the Jews? Mary says, I don't think so. Mary's Magnificat reflects this idea that God is going to do something extraordinary through the anointed one. This song shows what Mary expects the long-awaited Messiah to be like, what she sees as the Messiah's mission on earth. Mary envisions God's anointed one upsetting the status quo by turning virtually everything upside down. After all, God chose for him to be born of a lowly servant girl instead of a woman of prominence. The Romans dubbed Herod the king of the Jews, but Mary knew that only her child could assume that title. What if Herod had heard her song? These are dangerous words that she sings. Did you know that this passage of, this passage of scripture, the Magnificat, has been banned in many places? It was banned, being sung or read in India under British rule. In the 1980s, it was banned in Guatemala. The military junta of Argentina outlawed any public display of Mary's song after the mothers of the Plaza de Mayo, whose children disappeared, placed the words on posters throughout the plaza. In the words of Sister Elizabeth Johnson, the Magnificat is a revolutionary song of salvation whose political, economic, and social dimensions cannot be blunted. People in need in every society hear a blessing in this canticle. The battered woman, the single parent without resources, those without food on the table or without even a table, the homeless family, the young abandoned to their own devices, the old who are discarded, all are encompassed in the hope that Mary proclaims. A pregnant Jewish teenager who could be stoned for her assumed infidelity looks out her window to witness the gross miscarriage of justice, the exorbitant greed of those elected to protect and rule. And she declares that the Savior she is about to birth is something else. She somehow knows deep in her bones that the way of God is pro-people. The way of God is salvation from the ugliness of this world. The way of God is goodness, truth, peace, hope, joy, and love. The way of God is other. So she sings it. Her soul glories in it. For most of us, the economic injustice of the Magnificat might not feel so familiar. In fact, it might feel like a bit of a threat, those of us who are haves in a have and have not world. So sure, the pursuit of economic justice is something we need to look at and personalize. Are we part of the problem? These are good questions to ponder in light of Mary's song. Rachel Cooley and I spent some time this week at Degage. It's a ministry near and dear to the heart of this church. We support its efforts to end homelessness and provide economic empowerment through workforce readiness. We can all join God in bringing justice to our city and mirroring Mary's song in our caring and our giving. 
But maybe this is a song for you today. Maybe the question to pose this morning is, what is your Herodium? What is that thing that's just not right? What do you look out and see that has you crestfallen, angry, overwhelmed, beside yourself, up in the middle of the night, tossing and turning? What is looming on the horizon with lights ablaze that you just can't stand? Is it grief? Is it cancer? Unfair business dealings? A broken relationship? A wayward child? Fear of an uncertain future? Fill in the blank. What would it mean for you, for us, to internalize Mary's words today? Hear them again from the message translation. What God has done for me will never be forgotten. The God whose very name is holy, set apart from all others. His mercy flows in wave after wave on those who are in awe before him. He bared his arm and showed his strength, scattered the bluffing braggarts. He knocked tyrants off their high horses, pulled victims out of the mud. The starving poor sat down to a banquet. The callous rich were left out in the cold. He embraced his chosen child, Israel. He remembered and piled on the mercies, piled them high. It's exactly what he promised, beginning with Abraham right up to now. Right up to now. My soul magnifies the Lord. Mary's courageous song of praise becomes a radical resource for those seeking to honor the holy amid the suffering and conflicts in real life. Mary's Magnificat glorifies the upside-down ways of God marked by hope, peace, joy, and love. May you experience this anew. In the name of the author of life, the Savior born in a major, and the Holy Spirit that permeates everything. Amen. The ushers will be coming forward shortly to receive our offering. We're so thankful for all of your gifts. Whether you give online, use text, or give physically here at the church, your gifts enable the ministry of the church as we reach out to East Grand Rapids, to our city, our country, and our world. Thank you for your gifts.
Will you pray with me? Living God, love incarnate, you who are everything that we are lacking, fill our lives with true love. Child of the manger, we admit that we so often prefer to be sentimental rather than sacrificial. O holy child of Bethlehem, Descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. As we continue our journey toward Bethlehem, we ask that the preparations for the season will not distract our hearts from your purpose. May we not be in such a rush that we miss hearing this startling and magnificent word from the maiden Mary. Lord, some of us may be tired from the journey of the season, but give us searching hearts that seek not comfort, but the challenge of living out your word. May our search not be for pride of achievement, but rather for poverty of spirit, that longs for you to do your unsettling work in our lives. Today we especially lift up those in this church family who face this season of the year with special challenges and difficulties. The loss of a loved one in recent days, the loneliness, the breaking of a relationship, the grip of something that has hold of their soul. So, Lord, touch each life, we pray, with your grace and the glory of your love, the touch of your spirit. These prayers and praises we humbly offer up to the throne of heaven, Praying now in the words which Christ himself taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
I hope you all will stay if you want to grab a cup of coffee and come back into the sanctuary for service following this one, please do. Or if you want to stay where you are and just get comfortable, that's great too. So as a benediction today, I don't know what your Herodium is. I don't know what you're staring down. But I pray and seek for you that the living Christ will meet you in a special place today and always, that you will know the peace, hope, joy, and love of the Savior who loves you so much came to this world for you and for us. So go in peace.